0: Father in heaven, thank you so much for this time that we have to come and study your word once more. Thank you, Lord, for the blessings of the past week. Thank you for preserving all of us as we're able to come and listen and to read and to study together. May you please guide us, O Lord, with your Holy Spirit. Speak to each of our hearts, O Father, and help us to see the lessons that are so important in this story that we can apply to our hearts and our lives today. Thank you, O Lord we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Mark chapter 8 is where we will be beginning this evening. Mark chapter 8. And we're starting, pardon me, I got the wrong text up there. We're starting in verse 22. Mark chapter 8 verse 22. And he cometh to Bethsaida, and they bring a blind man unto him, and besought him to touch him. And so, a blind man is brought to Jesus. Oh my, my slides are going a bit funny here. So, a blind man is brought to Jesus, and the people that bring Him, we're not sure who they were. Were they friends? Were they relatives? Were they the brothers or sister of this person? We don't know. But we know for one thing, for certain, that they had some sort of great care and affection for this person. Why? Because when you read in Mark chapter 8.22, it says there that they bring him and they besought him to touch him. And so they're begging. That's what the word besought means. They're begging Jesus to touch this man. He's blind. And uh, look, it's not often that you beg people for things unless especially on behalf of someone else, this person must be really, really important to them or close to their heart. And you know, friends, when we bring people to Jesus Christ, we should learn to have a beseeching spirit, a begging attitude. Why? Too often we fail to care for others as much as we care for ourselves or family or relatives or those that are near and dear to us. But if we want to bring people to the foot of the cross, If we want to bring people that they might be healed by Jesus, we need to learn to have this begging attitude on behalf of other people. Our most basic request should be what? That Jesus would touch their hearts and their lives. But let's continue, shall we? Let's continue. Mark chapter 8 and verse 23. And he took the blind man by the hand and led him out. Of the town. Notice what Jesus does here. The first thing he does is he takes him by the hand and he leads the man out of the town, out of the city. Here's another really important lesson for us. I just couldn't help but the look at see these applications that mean so much to us today. But you know, sometimes if we want to help people, if we want to help them heal, sometimes In order for them to heal, they need to get out of the city first. Out of the place where there's too much temptation, too much vice, too much wickedness, sin that in the city is too easily accessible to all of us. And uh, there are some that really need to experience country living today. They need to get out into nature. You know, nature just has this soothing feeling upon us, do you know that? Nature just has this way of impressing us with God's character, with with His patience, with His kindness, with His goodness. Maybe there are some even here this evening that have just been too caught up with life. And it's not that you just need to go on holiday, and some of us, we think, I need to go and travel, I need to just sit there and not do anything, and sometimes that is even worse. Because you stay at home, you do nothing, you are not getting on your phone or your computer and you binge watch something or you stop playing games. You know, sometimes it's those holidays that get us too free and all the bad habits come back. It's not enough just to go on holiday. You need to get out of the city, out of the town, out of that which is artificial and surround ourselves with nature. And... Not just that, but we need to lead people out there ourselves. Not just to teach them and to preach them and say, hey, hey, it's important to get out of the city. Go, 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 go. But Jesus took this man by the hand and let him out himself. You know, some people, they really want healing. They want to be different. They want to be changed. And sometimes it's not enough just to tell them. You got to accompany them you got to go with them. It's not enough to tell a person who is addicted to smoking, you got to quit smoking. Sometimes you got to go to the the quit smoking program and go through it with them just to show that you are there for them. And so Jesus, the first thing he does is he leads this blind man out of the city. And look at what what this blindness is representing. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 4, the Bible says this, In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Many of us were sitting in darkness. We are blinded by what? The things that this world has to offer, the the pretty trinkets, the gold, the glittering gold, our careers, looking for that next goodbye for our house or different things. And many of us, we are chasing after the world and we've put ourselves in a world of hurt. We've hurt our bodies, we've hurt our health, we've worked extra long hours just so that we can earn a few more dollars. To save or to, to buy our, our next great toy that will we think will satisfy us and make us happy. So many of us have been blinded by the God of this world. And uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ has been left in the dust. And so this blind man, he represents all of us. He represents every single one of us. And we're in great need. But let's come back to this passage that we read. So Jesus... He takes him by the hand and he leads him out of the city. Now, remember the, the, the friends or the people that brought this blind man, they said to Jesus, What do you remember in verse 22? That first verse that we read, it says, They bring a blind man to Jesus and they begging him, they besought him that he would touch him. And that's very interesting because Jesus grabs a hold of him, he touches him, nothing happens, and he's holding him by the hand or pushing him along or pulling—more, more likely pulling him along, and he's touching him. Do you see that? And nothing has happened. So not only does Jesus touch him, but he holds him for a really long time. Now, what would you be thinking if you were the blind man? My friends have asked, Jesus, Jesus, you're the healer touch this man for what reason to be healed right to be whole so you're thinking okay jesus is going to touch me and uh he's going to heal me and jesus touches him but what nothing happens nothing happens and uh how come jesus he doesn't heal this man by touching him he does in a sense but you see The blind man is already being tested in his faith. Jesus touched this man so he might be healed, right? But yet when Jesus touched me, nothing happened. Of course, he's probably asking, and it's not written in the Bible, but he's asking, Jesus, where are you leading me? Where are you leading me? We're going out of the city. All this while holding on and touching Jesus, but nothing has happened yet. And it's no, 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 it's not because this man has no faith, but Even now, he has to live by faith and trust Jesus that even though he's touched him and nothing's happened, Jesus is still going to do something to heal him. Do you see that? So, he's got to trust that Jesus still loves him, that he cares for him, and uh, already the blind man has to trust him. Can't see him, but he heard what his friends said, he's feeling what Jesus is doing, but Jesus is leading him out of the city. And what happens next? Mark chapter 8, and let's finish that verse now. He took the blind man by the hand, led him out of the town. And when he had spit on his eyes and put his hands upon him, he asked him if he saw aught. Jesus spits on the man's eyes. Then he puts his hands on his eyes, and Jesus asked if he can see or not. Such an interesting act, right? I mean, I don't know if Jesus went, (sighs) you know how people sometimes, I don't know how to do it, but uh, spitting on someone's eyes, that's a very, very unusual act. You You don't see that ordinarily. I've never seen that in any sense in any healer that we see modern today, right? This is not someone that of course, hates you, that's spitting on you, right? Uh, the blind man does not know what is going on, but when it happens, it's too late anyways, when Jesus spits on him, right? But he puts his spit, I don't, I, we don't know how he did it, but he puts his spit on his eyes, and then he puts his hands on the blind man's eyes. And what is what happens, he asks him, uh, You know, asked if he saw, if he could see. Well, you know, let's take a pause here before we keep going on in the story, because we already know that this blind man represents us. But what is spiritual blindness? Yes, we're blinded by the world. And we see this again in Revelation. Revelation chapter three and verse 17, the Bible says, "'Because thou sayest, I'm what? "'I'm rich.'" and increased with goods, and have need of nothing. And knowest not that thou wretched, and miserable, and poor, and blind, and naked. The Laodicean church is blind spiritually. They are rich and increased with goods. This is what blinds us, just like what it said in Corinthians, the God of this world has blinded our eyes. How have we become blind to the gospel of Christ? How have we become blind to to even Jesus' healing power? It's because we got caught up with the world. Chasing after riches, chasing after our status, chasing after our degrees, chasing after our wealth, trying to make a living, trying to retire early. We do so much, and in the process, Satan manages to blind us. This is the problem with the in church. And when you look at our society today, you know, there's just some new invention coming out all the time. Some new thing, some new toy, some new camera, a new car, a new whatever it is, a new bed. You know, whatever it is, we, we just think something new that comes out, we just got to get it. And we're in the chase for buying the latest and the greatest. And this really is the problem with Laodicean church because we, we can never be satisfied. The Bible says the eyes of man is not satisfied. And so because with these eyes, we've been looking at the world and focusing on all the things the world has to offer. And in the process, we've become blind to spiritual things. And so what is a remedy that is offered to the Laodicean church that helps them to see? We see it in Revelation chapter 3 in the very next verse. In verse 18, the Bible says, I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich in white raiment, that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear, and anoint thine eyes with eye salve, that thou mayest see. Do you see at the very end there? At the very end of the verse, anoint your eyes with what? Eye salve. We, if we want to be healed from our spiritual blindness, need to have our eyes anointed with eye salve, eye ointment, something that will help us to see. And what is it in these times that will help us to see again? Well, let's continue then. In First Samuel chapter nine and verse nine, the Bible says this: "Before time in Israel, when a man went to inquire of God, thus he spake, "Come and let us go to the seer. For he that is now called a prophet was before time called a seer. So what helps us to see? a seer and what was that called in the old times is what we know today as a prophet and you know what so is is so interesting about the prophet and the role of the prophet especially in our days let's continue romans chapter 1 and verse 2 which he had promised afore by his prophets where in the holy scriptures the prophet is the one that helps us to see The prophet is the one through the scriptures that it helps us to see. In which way? Well, friends, when you begin to read about the Word of God, you read the Word of God, it begins to convict you that you've been chasing after the world's goods too much. It begins to shine light into our darkened hearts and minds through the eye because it says there that the the light of the body, well it doesn't say there but in Matthew it says the light of the body is the eye and if the eye beholds darkness, the whole body will be full of darkness. But if the eye beholds light, guess what? We will be able to begin to see, see clearly, see clearly that no matter how much you pursue your worldly wealth or anything you think that will just make you complete, it will never be enough unless you find total satisfaction in the gospel of Jesus Christ. This has to be our focus. This is the solution that Jesus offers to us. This was symbolic of the spittle that Jesus was putting on the eyes of the blind man. It's this pause that we have. And it's the pause that we need. You know, this is why I'm so thankful for the Sabbath. That God reminds us, hey, you've been chasing the world too much. You got to pause again. And not just pause so that you can sleep more and rest more because you were so busy throughout the whole week that you had no time for anything, not even time for a good meal. No, it's not about that. Yes, the the Sabbath should be special and we have a special meal this evening. I hope that you had a special Sabbath meal to open. Oh, it was simple, but it was delicious and it was good. You know, if there's any dinner I never miss, it's always on a Friday night. But the Sabbath, yes, it should be special, but it's the time that we can come back and spend more time in the Word of God. More time reading the Scriptures again. More time with Jesus. You know, too many of us, we look at the Bible as a book of what we need to do. It's a book of instruction. And yet, what we must do you know, it, it it tells us what we must do if we want to claim to be a Christian. We don't look at it like a book of healing. Like what the, the spittle was to the blind man's eyes. We don't look at the Bible as if this book is able to heal us. And so many of us, we shy away from it. It, it. It's a book of warning, yes. But it's a book that is all about Jesus who wants to give us grace and give us healing in our lives. And too many of us we, we've even misconstrued our thoughts about how we view the Scriptures. It is powerful. It is. The very Word of God that created this, this world that we live in, it's that powerful. And God, He wants to shine the light of the glorious Gospel back into each and every one of our hearts, especially this evening, to guide your life and to bless you and to help you to see a better way to live. And I know maybe some of us, we were sitting there thinking, hey, God, I know the best way to live. I know my priorities. I know my, my goals and my passions. But you don't realize it's not just about following Jesus so I can go to heaven, but God, He wants you to prosper and be in good health. He wants to give you abundant life. He wants to pour out blessings so much that you won't have enough room to receive it. There is so much that God wants to bless us with, that we are too satisfied sitting in dark darkness. So when God opens our eyes, what does He want to do? Let's continue, shall we? Acts 26 and verse 18. To open their eyes, to turn them from darkness to light. We've been seeing that so far. But what does that mean? And from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins, an inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. When God, He desires to open our eyes, He wants to, wants to turn us from darkness to light. That's that first step. Then He wants to turn us from the power of Satan to the power of God. The power that the Satan, He, he, he could not create anything. Yet God, with a single word, created light. And then He wants to give us forgiveness of sins an inheritance among them, those, those that are sanctified. Friends, this is what the Bible accomplishes to a certain extent. You know, when you go to Psalms 119 and verse 130, the word of God is light. The entrance of thy words giveth light. It giveth understanding unto the simple. It is the word of God also that gives us the assurance that God forgives us. 1 John chapter 1 verse 9. It is the Word of God that has much more power than the devil himself. Jesus fought the devil with, it is written. It was more than enough to ward off every temptation and every every, uh, arrow that the devil threw at the Son of God. It is written, it is written, it is written. It has more than enough power. The problem is we're not experiencing it. And really, it has more than enough power to sanctify us. John 17, 17 was sanctified by the truth, the Word of God. You know, friends, if we wish to experience healing, if we wish to experience fulfillment, if we wish to experience contentment in this life, it's not about chasing after your wildest dream. Oh, God, I don't want much. I just want a BMW, you know. That's not too much, right? It's better than middle class. Yeah, it's a, bit, a little bit of an upper class, but God, I, I, I don't need a huge mansion, God. Just just give me five rooms. It doesn't have to be huge, but just give me a five five-bedroom house or, or condo. Or, you know, make sure it has a nice pool. I, I don't want those flats where there's no gods, God. you know, We kind of give God our, our desires, and, and you know what happens? You get to that point and you realize, guess what? It's not enough. The eyes of man are never satisfied. Jesus, He wants to turn us from darkness to light, but He wants to help us to see, see the realities of this world. You know, when Satan presented to Jesus the world and all its beauties, he left out all the dark and hidden parts of sinful areas that the the world had been consumed by, all the lust and the hatred and the fornication and the murder and everything. And he said, Jesus, if you just bow down to me, I'll give you all of this. And it wasn't enough. The world had already been marred by sin. It was not what Jesus had originally created. But sometimes we want to take the easy way out. We want, what? The pleasure now. We don't want to wait for it later in heaven. And our eyes, we can't behold it. And all we have before us is the riches of this world. And so Satan, he distracts us, he blinds us. And so many of us were caught up with our careers, just earning a living. For what? At the end of it, just to die the richest man in the graveyard? It doesn't mean anything. We must have a treasure that does not pass away, imperishable riches. It's in heaven. And it begins with what? God shining the light of His glorious gospel into our hearts. But let's come back to the story. We're not done yet. Jesus, He spits on the man's eyes and He asks, Can you see? Can you see? And what happens? Mark chapter 8 and verse 24. And He, the blind man, looks up and said, I see men as trees walking. He saw men like what? Trees? and they were walking. Obviously, his vision was still blurred. But look, the Bible puts it this way for a reason. The Bible doesn't describe it in this matter. I mean, yes, he, he said it like that probably, but you know, it's recorded for a reason. Remember, every word of God is important. And so when he looked up, he saw men as trees. If it was me, I'd be like, it's a blur. I can't see much. i just see. Moving, blurring images. I don't really can't see much Jesus, but he says, I see men as trees. What does trees represent in the Bible? Let's go to Isaiah chapter 61 and verse 3. Isaiah 61 and verse 3. To appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that He might be glorified. Did you see that? What are they called? They are called trees of righteousness. The trees in the Bible represent righteous people. And that's the thing, friends, when you are first turned from darkness to light, please catch this. When you first come into the church, when you are first converted, you know what? You see men like trees walking. You come into the church and everybody is righteous. Wow, I've missed this all my life. And you don't realize that even in the church, there is every type of shade and color of people. There are people there, with a heart sincere, hearts on fire. And then there are people there simply because they grew up in church all their life and they didn't have a choice. I was one of them. If I told my mom when I was 15, mom, I don't want to go to church today. She would say, what did you say? (laughs) It was not a choice. I would have to get in the car and I have to go to church. No matter how unhappy I would be. And I'm sure many of you, some day Adventist children, you're like, "Mm -hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And parents, please don't give them a choice. Please, help them to get into a habit of going to church every week. So long as my kids live in my house, they're going to have to do what I do. You know? And uh, yeah, if you're still living under my house when you're 25, you better come to church with me. Amen? <laughs> you see, that too often we think that kids are so smart and independent, they got to make their own decisions. They do when they, when they are old enough and independent enough. And what does that mean? Not because... Uh, you, you suddenly had your voice broke or, 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 you know, whatever it is. No. If you still have to depend on me, guess what? You're not independent yet. But we see people as trees. They're righteous. Everyone's righteous when you first come into the church, not realizing that there are all sorts of differing opinions, people living different lifestyles, people following Jesus for different reasons and motives this man saw men like trees walking. Let's continue. Mark eight twenty-five to 26 After that he put his hands upon his eyes and made him look up, and he was restored and saw every man clearly. And he sent him away to his house saying, Neither go into the town nor tell it to any in the town. So Jesus, he doesn't he, he, he doesn't spit on his eyes again in verse 25. What does he do to restore this man's eyesight back to full strength? What does he do? He just touches him again. This time, he does not spit. And this is really, really important. This is a really important detail. And I was, as I was sitting here preparing the lesson this evening, or this afternoon rather, you know, the question came to my mind is this why doesn't Jesus put his spit on him again the second time why not why why does he only just touch him this time that that the man's eyes will be fully restored why did he have to spit on him the first time well that represents the word of God spit is fluid it's water in a sense right the water of the word of God we need to have an interaction with the word of God but Why is it so important for Jesus to touch us so that we finally can be whole, that we finally can see? Because you see, friends, you got to go beyond just the intellectual knowledge of the Word of God, beyond just the the reading for the sake of reading. You can't just, okay, I'm just going to read the Bible now. This is my devotion. I got to do it. No you got to be touched by Jesus. What does that mean? Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 15, the Bible says this, For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. You know, Jesus, He touched humanity by coming as a human, to experience all the temptations that we face, the temptations of wanting to be rich. Don't you think that it was a temptation for for Jesus when the devil was tempting him? Just bow down to me and I'll give you the whole world. What is that in our equivalent today? Just bow down to me and I will make you rich, rich beyond measure. We think this currency that the world has to offer is so valuable. So many of us, we sell our souls to the devil just so that we can get a foothold and an advantage in this world thinking that's all it is, but it's not, friends. Jesus was tempted in all points like we are. He came to live with us. He came to experience what we experienced. He felt hunger. That's why the devil tempted him to turn the stone into bread. He had that desire to have power. He grew up as a carpenter's son, a poor man. Don't you think he desired a better life? Yes. You know, he came not just to sympathize with us, but he empathized. He experienced what we experienced. He understood what it meant to live this life. He understood. He understood firsthand what we go through. He experienced it himself, and though he didn't for a moment fall under the power of sin, he had great sympathy and mercy for those that had degraded themselves to what the depths of sin would drive a human being. The touch of Jesus is really important. We need to experience it. It's got to become personal. The Word of God, you know, it's easy to read our Bibles. Too many of us, and I say this all the time, too many of us, we treat the Bible like how other religions treat their gods. Oh God, I just read the Bible, now please bless me. I don't understand what it means, but it's good enough for me. No, friends, we got to have more than just intellectual knowledge, but we must have experiential knowledge. It's more than just going to church week in and week out and doing all those Christian things, has Jesus become your personal friend? Have you tried praying, God, I want to know you. I want to know you personally. Or have you always held him at arm's length? Thank you for the blessings. Thank you for all that you do, but ah, and we still grab after the world. You know, friends, has the word of God become personal to each and every one of us. John chapter 1, verse 14 says, The Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Has the Word become flesh to you today? Have you experienced Jesus for yourself? Have you tasted of His goodness? Have you been touched by the man Christ Jesus. Do you understand what he means to you personally? Do you know why you follow Jesus? What is your testimony? What is the story behind why you are a Christian today? What is it? Experiential knowledge. And this is, I I, I would say, a uh, acted parable something uh really it was more not a parable it was rather a story but something that as as we read this encounter that jesus had with this blind man we realize that we are all like this blind man and if we want to be healed you got to go beyond just the word of god the flesh pardon me the word must become flesh more than just head knowledge but heart knowledge, to know Him, to walk with Him, to to understand Him. You know, this is what all eternal life is all about. That's all God wants. John 17, 3, This is life eternal, that they might know Thee, the only true God in Jesus Christ, whom Thou hast sent. Yes, we, we got to begin in His Word today. We got to begin there. You got to start reading about this man, Jesus. Not just rely on the preacher, not just rely on your parents, not just rely on your spouse or whoever it is. You got to know Him for yourself, yes, in His Word, but then it's got to go beyond the pages of Scripture. You got to see God work in your life as well. Why? If you don't experience it then you just have a head knowledge. And one day when someone asks you, so Ben, why are you Christian? Why do you follow Jesus? What's gonna be your answer? Is it just about intellect? Well, let me prove to you that the Bible is right. Yeah, okay, so why? What does God mean to you today? Do you know that answer? Look back. Think about your past life. This past year, this past five years, however long you've been following Jesus. What are your praises? Have you been praising God for what He's done in your life? Have you recognized the hand of God in your life and how much He loves you and how much He wants to be with you and to bless you And to give you a satisfied life? If not, I just ask you, please, to pause and make a journal. I'm not trying to shake the faith of anybody here. I'm trying to make you think. Too often we just rush through life. Do you know that? You rush through life. You rush through the, the, the activities of what you've got to do as a normal human being. That's how we define it, right? You've got to go study. After you've got your degree, then you've got to go work. You've got to be independent. You've got to start earning money. You've got to do this and this and this and this. And we have all these goals. And it's goals that we've seen other people that have that have come before us. And then we rush through church every Sabbath as well. And we don't stop and think. Where's my life heading? Why am I doing what I'm doing? What is Jesus to me? I pray that we would take the time to reflect. It's a Sabbath after all. Let's use this time wisely to reflect on who is God to me. Not who He should be, a sovereign God uh, 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 you know, a king? No. Who is God to you personally? Is He your friend? Is He your comforter? Is He your mentor? Is He the source of strength when you were weak? Is He that rock of ages? What is He? Is He that friend though all others would forsake you, He's still there for you? What has been your experience? And so this evening, I challenge you to find God again, but make it personal. Make it personal to you. This man, he was touched. And unless we find out that answer, I dare say that all the studies of the scriptures will only bring us head knowledge and intellectual knowledge. He wants to become real to every single one of us today. May God help us to see with more than just human eyes, but that we might discern the movings of the Holy Spirit in our lives, that we might discern a God that loves us so much, and that we might see how He's working for each and every one of us and wants to bless us, and then that book, the Bible, is not a book of instruction anymore. It's a love letter to every single one of us. May God help us to that end this day. Let's bow our heads, shall we, as we end with prayer. Father in heaven, Lord, you sent your, your, your son, the Lord of, the King of glory in heaven, who is worshipped by angels. He came to this earth To die this this ignominious death, not realizing that for us, it would become a formality for some of us. Lord, help us to go beyond just this form of religion. Help us today to understand who Jesus is to every single one of us. For Lord, you are a personal God. And you desire for us to be still and to know who you are. And so on these Sabbath hours, Lord, help us to put aside our social media. Help us to put aside all these these things that just distract us even on the Sabbath. So often we were scrolling through it and we're just waiting for the Sabbath to end so that we can go back to our routine and lives. And we've not come any closer to understanding who you are. Lord, help us to reflect, help us to remember, help us to have a deeper and closer walk with you this day. For we pray in Jesus' name, Amen.